For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. I went to bleed and resist, was on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. I took the bus by Bamberers and she was heavy laden. Away we went to Lang Collinwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Oh, and you should have seen us getting passing the boats along the road just to pay with Gannon. There were lots of lads and lassies there, always finding faces, getting along the Scotswood Road to the scene of Bladen races. Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 121. I'm your host, Greg Troxell, and with me is the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsome. You didn't say like tunesome, brewsome, truesome, gruesome. <laughs> I haven't yeah, done so that. Uh, I, I didn't bring that back. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't even know to come in. Um, yeah. but yeah, I like I'm to keep excited you on your to be here. Sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm excited to be here, man. Uh, you know, Newcastle are through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup for the first time in my memory. Yes, and the first time under the Ashley era. Um, this. This obviously means that Mike Ashley is about to sell the club, and when he does, follow me at Elijah underscore Newsome to see the best GIF in the world tweeted. So, uh, yeah, that's my little spiel. Oh, when he does sell, you mean? When when he sells. Is that what you just said? Yeah, I said when he sells. Okay. Well, give me a follow at NUFC underscore Greg. Uh, take a look at our website at comminghomenewcastle.com. Uh, there's going to be a recap article, plenty of other articles, and then uh, give our podcast a follow at chn underscore radio. So for this podcast, it's our typical news podcast, our, our week in review kind of. I don't know what else to call it, but uh, we have some topics for you. Some things happened. Uh, it should be some interesting discussion around it. So let's get into our first thing. Is there any housekeeping Stuff you want to say first, Elijah? Are you good? What, like, what do you mean housekeeping stuff? Like, is there anything that you want to say? Oh, you guys should do this, or you guys should do that. Okay, clearly like, no. Who? So let's get into it. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I was just, I don't know what housekeeping I have. Okay. I thought you, you do the housekeeping. I'm the, I'm the guy who goes to work, and then you come home, and you do all the housekeeping. Okay. Uh, so we'll start. With Alan St. Maximin versus Steve Bruce, who would win in a fight? Um, Alan St. Maximin, he's black, so next question. he likes karate, so that would be... He also is like 40 years younger than Steve Bruce. <laughs> and a lot faster. <laughs> and way faster. Um, a lot stronger and much better shape. Yeah. Um, Steve Bruce maybe has like Medusa-like powers where if you look him in the eyes, you turn into cabbage. <laughs> mm, interesting. Or like a, a pie. Yes. That was a fat joke. Uh, I, I, I got it. I got it. So the night before the FA Cup match against West Brom, which we won, go listen to our recap podcast, um, there was 
a report by the Daily Mail that was an exclusive, apparently, but they said uh, Alan St. Maximin's future at Newcastle is in doubt after Steve Bruce dropped him from Saturday's goalless draw with Burnley. Um, then claimed the, the, that Bruce claimed he was struggling with a hamstring injur- injury, but the sources insisted that St. Maximin was completely fit and available for selection, um, even though Steve Bruce said that he was a doubt um, for the FA Cup tie because of back and hamstring issues. Um, apparently Wolves and Crystal Palace were monitoring the developments and learning of the situation. Uh, we can get into more points about this article, but just uh, your initial thoughts, Elijah, when this came out. Well, when it came out, I, I knew – I mean, I personally I, – I talked about this. I thought the, map, the selection was weird, and also, I mean – I, ASM did play. Um, I didn't really think a lot of it when I read the report initially. Um, I also didn't think a lot of it when I read the teams that were interested because both those teams were already linked to ASM beforehand, before this little fallout that allegedly happened. Um, like Wolves were looking at a Traore replacement and thought ASM fit the bill, which is pretty spot on. I mean, fast guy who can swing in crosses, it seems pretty accurate for what wolves need um but i mean like it 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 makes perfect sense uh for steve bruce to take his time and not play asm um if he feels that asm is is injured or is not fully fit because when he has played asm and asm has not been fully fit it has just made things worse um and so i i was i tended i tend to side with steve bruce on, on these and then i was honestly proven right um and i guess do you want to get into that like what actually happened during the fa cup um because this was kind of rumored that he wouldn't play uh, and let's let's continue with the article first there's a couple other points oh. and then we'll get into oh it. that's lame <laughs> yeah so um, the article went on to say that it was suggested that Bruce was trying to protect St. Maximin by saying he's carrying a slight injury rather than revealing that he had been dropped, although Newcastle maintained that he was struggling with a hamstring problem on Thursday and the manager chose to ri- not to risk him, right? So that it's this is claiming that Bruce was concerned about Alan St. Maximin's recent performances in training and he decided that he wanted to field a team that he could rely on against Burnley. It was also claimed by this article that a number of players have been frustrated with the tactics employed, and they believe the team should be playing better than they are, and they're more capable than Bruce is making it out to be in the public. So what's your thoughts on those two things? And then I'll provide my sense as well. I, I thought that the latter was something that I, I believed in terms of, like, I do think that that after that match, if you talk to players, they probably were frustrated with the tactics because there was not much direction given and not a lot of change, even though the formation changed. And then, of course, when your manager comes out right after the match and says that the only thing he can control are the personnel and... Uh, and and the formation um so yeah shout out to greg tweeted this but shout out to the newcastle players for scoring not (laughs) not steve bruce's tactics it was the players because um they're the only ones who can provide the goals um 
but yeah, I could see why players were frustrated in that regard. But uh, the first point, it like it, I don't, it doesn't make sense why Alan St. Maxman would be dropped from the team because Alan St. Maxman has played well for Newcastle. Um, pretty much, he's only had one bad game, um, and that was a long time ago at this point. And so it just didn't. I mean, there was there was a lot of fishy elements of this report, and that was probably the fishiest to me was that it didn't really make sense for ASM to get dropped. Um, I guess, you know, the only reason could be attitude, but even then it seems like that's not been an issue with ASM thus far at Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I thought when this came out, like, like it's, it's so hard to, it, we'll never know what's true and what's not true just because like we weren't there. Right. We don't, we don't know what players are saying and we don't know what Bruce is really saying. Um, but I, I, at first, I was like, eh, this seems kind of hard to believe because Bruce has been very reliant on ASM since he's been involved. Like, well, really, you can talk about any of the signings as he's been very reliant on. So it'd be hard to believe that he would leave him out based on how much he's used him. And obviously, there's a good player there. It's not like he's just like so-so, right? Um, it's exactly. just a matter of teaching him when to get rid of the ball that's i think the only thing you have to work on with him um so i didn't really necessarily believe that this was like as bad as it made out to be and and now we can talk about the results of it so steve bruce said today after the the win over west brom he said that he called out the reporter directly and told him that his story was completely false and he said that your source was wrong and was very adamant that it was a completely wrong article and that um, St. Maximin was actually dealing with hamstring issues. Elijah, what's your what's your take on, I guess, the outcome of this story? Well, I mean, for starters, the first thing that I noticed, one, was ASM started, which I think we both yeah. figured would happen. Um, we After that article came to... out, I think that was the biggest guarantee right there. <laughs> yeah, of, of all time. Yeah. If ASM was injured he would start um yeah uh but uh it, just because that's what happens when this this happens this stuff like this happens um excuse me uh the first thing Here's that this. i noticed was about 20 minutes in into the match uh asm went down and was holding his hamstring and then was walking gingerly like for the next five oh. or six minutes yeah during that's the match. true yeah and i was like this man was has actually he was definitely injured. Like it was it was so dumb. It was like, oh well, there you go. That whole ASM thing was complete. That was honestly what I didn't even need Steve Bruce's comments. Yeah, he could have said nothing. Like because that right there told me everything I needed to know was that he was still having some sort of issue with his hamstring because he literally went down. No one touched him and he was <laughs> holding his hamstring. And I'm like, all right, well there you go. Steve Bruce is is writing whatever he did. Because he clearly was injured. Um, I guess my second point is that um, in all these situations, when it comes to like riffs on the team, whether it's true or whether it's not true, winning cures all. And of course, if you start, like, I mean, obviously Lazaro was frustrated, um, and ASM could have been frustrated. I mean, like you said, we don't know, but I'm sure neither one of them are frustrated anymore, having been integral parts in a win, um, making history for Newcastle under the Ashley era. So, Regardless of all the situations, like we just spent all this time talking about this story and kind of building up to this conclusion that literally none of this matters because at the end of the day, Newcastle won, those guys played, and they all seem happy. And the only person that kind of looks bad at the end of this is still somehow Steve Bruce because, like, he just is not the best at press conferences. 
No. <laughs> no, and that's the next thing we can we can discuss. We'll get right into it now. Um, Steve Bruce, are, are, is there anything else you wanted to say? Or come no. segue? No, I'm good. I just wanted to make sure. Um, Steve Bruce does not take accountability for anything. Um, so, uh, and and it could be just him being very bad at press conferences, which is fine. I I, I get that if I get if that's just the case, then fine. But he has. There's two quotes I want to bring up, and and actually in our Burnley recap and our West Brom recap, the last two matches, uh, he said these things. He said that, and I'm just paraphrasing. It's not the exact quote. Um, he said that managers can only change the shape and the players. We can't uh, we can't score goals. Like we have nothing to do with scoring goals. We can only change the shape and players. And then he said that. Uh, you know, Newcastle can't just win 3 nothing. It's just in our DNA. Um, so teams are just always going to come back. There's nothing we can do about it. So I wanted to, to have you dissect those two quotes because I think you have some of the better takes on it. Um, please, Elijah, I'm begging you. It's just it's just annoying um, hearing Steve Bruce say things. And, and <laughs> It's just annoying uh, hearing Steve Bruce say things. <laughs> but, but to his credit, though, I think... I don't want to be that guy, but we've had we we both have our, our opinions on wow that was a weird way to say opinions opinions we both have our opinions on British managers as a whole and unfortunately like a lot of the ones that are not well liked and that still somehow get jobs regardless of how good or bad they do they tend to also do this sort of thing where like they don't really accept responsibility or they don't really have solid answers to questions that you ask them. Um, like Alan Pardew is a perfect example of this where like pretty much everywhere he's gone and things have gone sour, people ask him like, well, what are you going to do? And he's just like, I, I don't know. Like they're, they're, that's a very, like, it, I think it's a trait that I'm seeing and like it, these managers aren't ever punished for it. Like no one ever really presses Steve Bruce on any of this stuff. Like, and this is, and this is like, I don't know, British media and American media, like, uh, like People say the sports, Amer- the American sports media is toxic and all this other stuff, but I mean we get answers in America. Like in in England, what I'm seeing is that like all these all these uh, and a lot of these guys like we're friends with, we're friendly with. Like I don't I don't want to name any names uh, just for the sake of like just keeping it you know keeping it 100. But like there's guys who are tweeting about like oh man like how is Steve Bruce going to explain this like. How is Steve Bruce going to explain not not doing you know not uh, not scoring goals or how is he going to explain the lack of goals? How is he going to explain this sub? How is he going to explain this? And it's like I don't know. Do your damn job and ask him. In every single press conference, you walk away, and none of those an- none of those things have been answered. And then like they have the audacity to then go be like, well, this is what Steve Bruce said, but like he didn't really answer like why any of this happened. And so it's like if maybe they're not asking these questions, maybe they are, but like. It seems like Steve Bruce isn't even being pressured to address like his own hypocrisy, which is the annoying thing to me. Is that like people know he's being hypocritical, they know that they have the ability to question him on it, but no one seems to do it. And if they're doing it, they're not doing a good job of it. Like this shit does not fly in the U.S. Like if a coach, like if it, like the Cavs coach, literally got fired for tripping over his own words. 
Like, he literally got fired for, because everyone was like, dude, what did you, like, he, you look up the story, just type in Cleveland Cavaliers head coach, and look up the whole story, but he essentially said something, tried to walk it back, and then everyone was like, dude, what did you say, and they started asking players, they started asking other, other people about this guy's character, like, they got to the bottom of the situation, and eventually the guy was fired, like, that just doesn't happen in England, it's so annoying, like, it is so annoying, because the media has so much power and so much access compared to like we bloggers and we fans, and it's like they do nothing with that. Yeah. Very. So yeah, those are my thoughts on it. I mean, it's really less about Steve Bruce, but more about holding Steve Bruce accountable. I, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that we don't hear these questions asked in press conferences because it is very normal in America for like reporters to call out coaches. Like, I, I mean. If you go to any, well, any any Philadelphia sports fan knows the name Howard Eskin. He's a reporter. He's an absolute dickhead, and and he will just go into press conferences and absolutely like berate the coach in front of everyone, tell him how much of an idiot he is. Can't believe you have a job like a reporter. This is a reporter, and he's credentialed by every team in Philadelphia. Like everyone knows who he is. He's famous now as a reporter because he'll ask the questions. He's not afraid to shy away from what he sees as a problem and he'll ask them directly about it. Um, and I feel like with the amount of money that supporters put into Newcastle, like fans deserve to know what the answers to some of these questions, but we know, we know what will happen and, and Newcastle will just discredit the journalist and not allow them to report on the team ever again. So, um, so that, and that's the root of why reporters don't ask these questions is because the club has done it before, and they'll probably do it again if they do, like show any criticism in their press conferences or whatever. So yeah, it's kind of dumb. And I, and and it's it, what's annoying is that it's like a collective like British football thing where it's like nowhere are managers ever pressured to answer anything. Like you have some really good managers that like you know they they directly answer questions. Um, I think Steve Bruce has asked about these things, but like. You know, you get one kind of question and he answers it the way he does and no one ever follows up or pressures him. But, like, Pep will explain, like, this is what we did wrong. This is why we have to be better doing this, blah, blah, blah. And um, and he kind of explains it. Or Jurgen Klopp does it as well. They're both much better with the media and maybe that's because they come from different leagues and I don't know what the explanation is but in English football as a whole, like, that is an issue. And it's not just a Newcastle thing, like, I think that if you were to pressure old Gunner at Man U as to, like, you know, why he hasn't gotten the best out of Paul Pogba and continually ask him that, you'd be decredentialed at Man U because that is just the culture of Premier League football teams and British football teams in general is that, like, you don't bite the hands that feed you and in their eyes they feed all these reporters with access to, to all these coaches and stuff as if that's some sort of, like, wonderful thing. Yeah. No, you're 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 right for sure. I mean, you know that you're right. Thanks. <laughs> um, no, it, it's 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 an odd thing, and like, I mean, in my opinion, Bruce needs to be called out for these things. Like, somebody needs to be able to say when he says, "Oh, I can only change the players and the and the shape. I can't, you know, get them to score goals." Like, I I want somebody to be like, "What are you talking about? Like, you're you're a coach. You're literally a coach." So, yeah, a lot of issues with that, but we'll take a break now and get into a listener question that we got. So let's 
do that right now. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, Elijah, you ready for this one? Yeah. This came in from Brian Gardner. Uh, you can find Brian at Brian Gardner 10 on Twitter. So he wants to know, he said, CHN Radio, the Puma and Fun 88 deals both end after the season. No new deal for Maddie, Fernandez, and Mikio, not yet extended. Am I reading too much into this, thinking that these are signs a new owner would do these deals? Or is this just the same old, same old from the current one? He also added that, you know, he prefers, or he thinks it's the same old, same old, but he would prefer that it's not. <laughs> so just want to get your takes on that. Some expiring contracts, some expiring sponsorship deals. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... It's same old, same old. I mean, this isn't really new. I mean, we saw Wonga's uh, deal run out um, earlier. And, I mean, the Puma deal was on its last legs before being re-upped the last time. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's more of the same. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense that maybe Fernandez has not been extended yet and that they're, they're waiting on that. He's an older player. There's probably the, the idea that they can find someone cheaper that does the same thing. Or, you know, we, that is a position where we have depth at and Sharon Lejeune are locked up for at least the next year or two. Um, with LaSalle's obviously locked up for the next four years. Um, so I, I think that's it's more of the same old, same old. Same with Mankio. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a player who... Um, to be fair, um, I don't know why he ha- he he. I don't think he has done anything recently warranting an extension, considering he's missed so much. Um, he's he's well, it's been almost two months without him playing un- until these past couple of matches. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get a new deal um, going into the summer. But I mean, it's easy to not negotiate with someone, and maybe his camp didn't even want to negotiate while he's not even able to play and kind of prove his worth. Uh, so I, I think it's same old same. I wouldn't look too too far into it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is it is something interesting. Like, if, if a new owner is coming in, like, that, those type of things would leave the window open, and that's what kind of new owners are looking to do, is put their stamp on right away, and that would provide it. But, yeah, there's just nothing to me... I don't know. There's nothing to me that says this thing's getting done after all the rumors around the same time every year. Like, it's just not, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. I mean, we all want it to. Yeah, to be fair, uh, I'm now 100% in the boat that Mike Ashley is the, the leaker. Is the what? The leaker. Oh, yes. It's it's I'm, gotten to the I'm point because, I mean, well, if you think about it, like if all these people truly want to get deals done, and everyone has been has held the same, the same like, um, the same like, uh, like story or thought or whatever, the same belief is the what I was looking for. The same belief that every pretty much every single one of these um, these bidders has been genuine, like. There hasn't really been a fake bidder, um, per se, from what reporters have seen. Like, it's not some sort of PR stunt by Keith Bishop and all that kind of stuff. Like, they've all also been pissed that 
the leaks have occurred. Like, they didn't want the leaks to happen. Yeah. Except for the Ben Zayed group, who was, like, that was actually a complete, they kind of duped everyone, um, including Mike Ashley. So, I mean, I just think that Mike Ashley is, is the source of these leaks, especially this time around where, I mean, it was going to the transfer window um, and all that kind of stuff. But um, but to your other point about this um, this question, um, they were talking about the owners want a new slate and this the and, idea and three loan signings in the January window. Yeah, like oh yeah, I mean it's it. There's a lot that's good, but I mean one thing that you do notice though when takeovers happen is that like no no one who ha- who no one who takes over a team is expecting to immediately be able to change the kit sponsor or change, um, you know, who this kit supplier is. And they usually make their first mark as just, you know, the ability, like just signing a big player, yeah. um, which is kind of the, the norm. So even going down that route of like, maybe they want to, you know, make a big splash and make some sort of big change and put their own stamp on it. It's like, it would be a dream if they had those things, but realistically no one's expecting to be able to walk into a club and be able to choose their own kit supplier, get new sponsors, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It, it's a good question though. It's, it's something to definitely think about and you know, we'll never know ultimately, even if the club sold, we'll never know if any of that stuff is why, like if, if Mike Ashley's doing this because he wants to sell the club, um, we'll, we'll literally just never know. Yep. Definitely agree with you there. Okay, we're going to take one more break. We're going to get into some odds and ends. So let's do that, Elijah. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, odds and ends. Odds and ends. We still need to find a song for this. Convinced. I don't think we do, but um, okay. <laughs> Some U23 news. Um, they're going to play Exeter City in the second round of the Premier League Cup. That's going to take place on March 9th. We'll provide an update for you on next week's pod on how they did there. Also, they are playing in the... 2020 Northumberland Senior Cup semifinals against Blythe Spartans on March 24th. Um, they win that. The final will be played at St. James' Park. Um, other update, Freddie Woodman, he likes saving penalties. He does. He saved two this week. <laughs> That's good. Um, he's still doing well. He had a, a little cold streak, but overall... He's, he's still doing very well for Swansea, and they definitely want to keep him. Um, so it's going to be an interesting offseason for what we do with him. Um, like Jacob Murphy, uh, Akraf Lazar, and Rolando Aarons are like not doing anything. Rolando did get a goal, and Jacob Murphy has like two goals, I think. Um, uh, oh well, Jacob Murphy did score a goal this weekend. It was just an own goal. So, oh, that's um, good. and it looks like, unfortunately, that Dan Barlasar is going to miss the rest of the season. So that sucks. He was having a good year on alone. Yeah, it was pretty unfortunate. Um, U18s they beat the Mackums three to one in the league. There, that's good news. That's your youth update from us. Yeah, Elijah Vernon Anita. Oh, 
You know who he is? <laughs> I do. He found a new club. I, oh, interesting. I thought he was going to be brought in to solve the fullback problem. <laughs> he, I mean, and CDM problem, and central midfielder yeah, problem, just play and every, whatever. <laughs> he signed a deal with Cheka Sofia. Oh, in Bulgaria. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he's coming hmm. there. Um, Elijah, give us a Matty Longstaff contract update. There's some rumors swirling that there's an unnamed European club that's already put a, an offer out on the table. Um, this kind of comes after it was revealed that there were some pretty big clubs, I believe Inter and I want to say Lazio or Napoli, another Italian club, was interested in giving uh, Matty a professional you, you contract. You said Inter, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I know that another one that's been rumored is Marseille. Brand. Oh yes, that's who it is. I knew it was a club with light blue, which okay. is why I just went yeah. with like Lazio and Napoli. Yeah. <laughs> um. So is Marseille, but uh, yeah. Um. That I mean, that's that's the big update. The biggest update is that it's still an ongoing negotiation. No one really knows what the holdup is or what the deal is. Um. I think we've kind of alluded to it and given our thoughts on it as well as you know, um, you know. Like, I don't know. There's just we don't need to go that much further into it. Yeah, Uh, it's yeah, it's new owner. Um, They want to be able to negotiate with a player that they have no idea about. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, the next big story is Jonas Gutierrez. Oh Um, my god, he just got yatted up. Yeah, and he just got himself a nice little half sleeve. Done by a guy who literally does not look like he does tattoos. That guy who he, you see that picture of the dude. Yeah. He well, obviously he does not look like a tattoo guy at all. He no. looks like an average individual. Um, but Jonas has like one of the coolest half sleeves you'll ever see. It's got like him in a Newcastle shirt, like wearing a Spider Man mask. I think that's what that is. Um, pretty much like a map of the world and like everywhere he's played. Like just some just really cool elements on his sleeve and I, I think he's having a midlife crisis but we don't have to talk about that no not jonas he's perfect yeah um maybe maybe future guest i hope so that would be that would be lovely so hey if you guys know jonas and you're listening to this podcast tell him um tell him to come on the pod yeah hit him up for us yeah let him know um and uh, we'll do a quick bs meter it's a quick one um okay uh, there's one player that we've been linked to, a uh, central midfielder, um, plays as a defensive midfielder as well, um, and plays for Hoffenheim. Um, as you know, we've done some business with Hoffenheim. Uh, <laughs> and he's 24 years old, um, Austrian midfielder named Florian Grilich. Um, to give some uh, some kind of quick stats, uh, started pretty much... Every match for, uh, well, 85% of the matches for uh, Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim aren't very good uh, <laughs> in in the uh, in the Bundesliga. Um, they're currently, I don't even know where they are. Oh, no, actually, no, they're sitting in eighth. I just assumed they weren't good because they got just destroyed by Bayern this past weekend. Um, that was a whole ordeal as well. But, um, yeah, he starts almost every match for them. Uh, he has three assists, I want to say, to his name. Um, is another guy named Florian. And we'd have luck with players named Florian, but not a, lot, not a lot of luck with players from Hoffenheim, it seems. So far, you have anything you, you want to say about this? 
Um, this would be interesting and under the assumption that Bentaleb is not coming back. So I, I think that this is, I mean, if Bentaleb, if we, I mean, well, Bentaleb's definitely not coming back unless we sign him. So assuming we don't sign him, then yeah, I could see this happening. What's interesting is that he's fou- he's valued at 24 million US dollars, um, kind of puts him on the same kind of level as Frank Kessie, uh, Dennis Prayett, who was also linked to Newcastle, which turns out, by the way, we, we both talked that that would be a good signing, and it turns out he is good. Um, Mikel Marino's in that same range, Nahitin Nandez, who is another nice little central midfielder, uh, Morgan Sanson, Scott McTominay. So those are the kind of, that's the level of player transfer mark has him at. at so he would probably end up being a, a starter at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, also, Arsenal's interested in him in Southampton. Um, apparently has a release clause um, that is, uh, I don't even know what, the, the, oh, the release clause is 25, it's 20 million euros, New, and Premier League clubs would play pay 25 million euros, so roughly a little bit more expensive than Alan St. Maximin. Okay. Um, so that that's the kind of money that Newcastle would have to shell out for him, but he is available, and it's all about kind of him choosing where he wants to go. Um, yeah. There's a few teams interested, all of them, well, two of them better destinations in Newcastle. With Inter and Arsenal would be the two other ones that are better yeah. destinations. But, uh, yeah. But, like you said, I think it's likely that we're looking at him. Um, and if, yeah, if, if Bentaleb doesn't look like Bentaleb right now is coming back, uh, he had the only his best moment of Newcastle so far was he had one pass in one match earlier in the season. <laughs> that was really good. And today, and it was against Oxford. This, yeah, and oh, both FA Cup yeah. things. Today he had a really good turn. I mean, he he got a, he oh, basically yeah, made really nice, two yeah. guys. He broke two guys' ankle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so th- those are his best two moments. Other than that, it's been less than impressive. But again, I don't know if that's completely due to the player, or if that's completely due to just the fact that he's been put in a difficult situation uh, playing alongside a player that doesn't really compliment him all that well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's all I have. Um. For uh for BS meter. All right. Uh. Okay. Well, that that's everything then. Is there yeah any parting words that you'd like to say, Elijah? Um. I mean, continue to listen to the podcast. Check out the stuff on the website. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I know that Brian's about to get recruitment started. So if you have any interest in joining the podcast fam or joining the writing fam or joining the social media fam or joining or being our producer, um, <laughs> I can plug that one in for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, be sure to look out for that or just DM us on Twitter, um, any of us. Uh, our DMs are open, chn underscore radio, at coming home NUFC, and, of course, my Twitter at Elijah underscore Newsom and Greg's Twitter at NUFC underscore Greg. DM us if you're interested in helping out joining the seat, the coming home Newcastle family. It's a jolly good time, an amazing time, and it's always fun getting to talk Newcastle with some really good friends. Yes, it is always fun. Um, so do what Elijah said. All right, we have we have a podcast coming out on Friday that's going to preview our match against Southampton coming up so make sure to listen to that but until then that concludes episode 121 of CHN Radio I'm your host Greg Troxell this is the best damn co-host in the land Elijah Newsome and away the lads I made his fella beat in jail 
Oh, love you guys. To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tine. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. The Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Linda Svon and Gaza, Brendan Foster and the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog at St James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog. It's in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end.